0: She said, she said, now try to. 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 Oh, my God. Jesus Christ.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 1652 of Effectively Wild, a Fangraphs baseball podcast brought to you by our Patreon supporters. I'm Meg Rowley of Fangraphs and I'm joined as always by Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Ben, how are you? I'm doing quite well. Are you excited to talk about the most important pitcher signing of the day?
0: Indeed I am.
1: The most important, at least for your and our purpose. you What? <laughs> oh no, Ben. <laughs> you're in mine you're in my you're in leave all of this leave this (laughs) end
0: that sounds right you're in my
1: you're in my minor league free agent draft purposes congratulations I I mean I'm not saying you're gonna win but I think that when Mike Fultonavich signs with the Rangers on a guaranteed major league contract
0: three words read them and weep major (laughs) league contract
1: two million dollars plus incentives Ben and they're a bad team, so I think he's gonna throw as many innings as his health allows. So Ben, congratulations! This is a a punishing blow for yeah. my chances, and I I am sad and a little defeated, and I do not know if my ragtag band of misfits can equal uh, guaranteed major league innings on a bad team. So yeah, man, I don't know
0: how many innings his health will allow. Yeah, but I guess that's at a fair least question. he's getting the shot and. My minor league free agent <sighs> team did suffer a setback, though, in that the Angels traded for Dexter Fowler, which is yes. bad news for, I think, my seventh or eighth round pick, Scott Shebler, backup Angels outfielder, just uh, got bumped down a spot on the depth chart. So you can console yourself with that, I suppose. But yeah, feeling pretty good about the faulty signing, <sighs> kicking myself about not taking King Felix I Mm. thought about it. I wanted to do it. Now he's on the Orioles, and you couldn't ask for a better (laughs) assignment than that. So wish I had done that, but I will be happy with what I have, which is faulty in the Rangers rotation.
1: I should have fought harder for that first pick.
0: Yeah, it was one of those years where it actually did make a difference, I think, who had the first pick.
1: It did make a difference. So (sighs) congratulations. Thank you. Uh, You know, I guess we should talk about the other significant free agent signing of the day. Did another pitcher sign today? (laughs) It happened, Ben. Our long national nightmare is over.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I will uh, tease that we have a draft coming up later in this episode that we're looking forward to. I think it'll be a fun one. But yes, we must dispense with the Trevor Bauer business. So I'll say this. I'm glad that Trevor Bauer signed somewhere. Because the Trevor Bauer free agency experience was about as inescapable as we expected it would be. The only thing more unavoidable than Trevor Bauer being on one team is Trevor Bauer potentially being on any one of 30 teams. Yeah. (laughs) So... We now know which team he will be on for at least the next, well, we don't know exactly how long, one, two, or three years, the Los Angeles Dodgers, somewhat surprisingly in that as you and I speak, we're uh, coming up on 24 hours since Bob Nightingale reported that Trevor Bauer and the Mets have a deal. And uh, that tweet's still up there. For all we know, they might have a deal for something else. Maybe it's some sort of side (laughs) deal. I don't know. (sighs) Maybe his deal with the Mets was that he would not sign with the Mets. Or maybe Bob just jumped the gun on that one. Anyway, according to Joel Sherman, the Mets did make him an offer for more money on the whole than the Dodgers offered him three years and 105, but he chose his hometown team for three years and $102 million, but it is a strangely structured contract where he is in line to make $40 million this coming season, $45 million in 2022. And then 17 in 2023. So, this would make him the highest paid player in baseball this year and presumably next year, unless someone gets a massive raise. But he has opt outs after each of those seasons. So, On the whole, it comes in just under Garrett Cole's record average annual value, which Bauer probably isn't thrilled about, given how he feels about Cole. But it's a strange contract, and we can talk a little bit about that. We can talk about what he does for the Dodgers. But there is always so much more to say about Trevor Bauer, and perhaps more has been said about Trevor Bauer than anyone wants to be said. But there are certain things that probably bear repeating.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I I was sitting today as I I was waiting for Ben Clemens to file so that I could edit this piece of fan graphs, which I will say, you know, we managed to break our streak of major free agent signings happening after like 7 p.m. Yes. So I guess that's something. But I was thinking today about kind of what I, if I had my way, if I could just unilaterally say and get what I wanted, what is my water expectation here? Because... On the one hand, I find Trevor Bauer to be pretty odious as a person. <laughs> I think that he has demonstrated time and time again that he is sort of, how do I want to characterize this, indifferent to the, the power that he wields when it comes to social media and that indifference tends to manifest in putting non-famous normal people sort of in the crosshairs of his pretty significant followership. And that leads to harassment very often, harassment of women. Sometimes uh, Trevor Bauer engages in a a lengthy bit of Twitter engagement of his own, often with a a pretty unpleasant tinge to it. So on the one hand, there's, there's that. And he's been doing this long enough that he has been told what it means for him to quote tweet uh, someone who is mildly rude to him on social media and what the repercussions of that are going to be for that person and he does it anyway and so I find that really distasteful I think that it's it's always kind of gross to try to place these sorts of things precisely on a spectrum of behavior but like we can acknowledge that this is different than some of the the more extreme behavior we have seen at late while still acknowledging that it exists somewhere along that continuum and Mm -hmm. makes life really hard for people in the moments and days and sometimes weeks that that that, that goes on. So I find him pretty odious as a person. I don't know that like my expectation is that he never pitch in baseball again. And I don't know if my inability to muster that as an expectation is just a sign that I have been (laughs) worn down (laughs) by the reality of this stuff, just clearly not mattering to teams i mean when the mets are entertaining uh trevor bauer and making very serious offers for him and you know seemingly being used as leverage against the dodgers but trying very earnestly to secure his services like clearly no team is gonna like you know have a hard line on this stuff because if any team should right now it's the mets Mm -hmm. but i don't know that i you know i'm not thrilled about him being the highest paid player in the game just from a moral perspective like if i'm gonna anoint anyone with that like i'd like it to be francisco lindor or mookie betts or you know um and and some of the guys who are in that category have been in the running or have had that title in the last couple of years but it is it's hard to know quite what to to say about it other than what ben wrote about it when he wrote about it for us and will you allow me to just quote a a paragraph here yeah Ben says viewed then through the lens of savvy cat maneuvering or netting a large payday or maximizing the quality of an already very good rotation. This deal checks all the boxes. We're trained to like these sorts of signings combining as they do smarts with a stated desire to win a desire that is sadly often in short supply in today's game. But it's hard not to look at this through another lens, one that prioritizes accountability and how we treat one another over moving up the wind curve and find it wanting. Trevor Bauer got a clever deal, one befitting the sort of person and pitcher he sees himself as. He got paid. The Dodgers got better. I'm just not sure baseball did. So, you know, Trevor Bauer's going to pitch for the Dodgers. He will probably pitch in the postseason. His platform will only grow. And I think that In purely baseball terms, I understand why L.A. was moved to do this, but I'll mark myself as a little disappointed that a team that really didn't have the need for this signing is the one that did it. Like, there's not even a desperation that I could point to and say, well, I wish that the other stuff mattered, more but I get why they did this because like all of their other pictures are ghosts or whatever <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that's very much not the case with LA so so I, I find myself in a sort of uncomfortable squishy place that is not unusual for me as I react to parts of the game that I don't love super much and you know I don't think that we have to like belabor the point as you said his, his tactics on social media and some of the wackier stuff that he has said on that platform and you know some of the very offensive stuff he said on that platform have sort of manifested themselves um, over and over again. And, you know, he's not an uncontroversial person within baseball either, right? Like he has had a falling out of various, you know, degrees of sort of severity in Arizona and in Cleveland. And, you know, he threw the ball over the center field fence and (laughs) he, messed around with the drone and introduced us to like body horror on a baseball broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I like, again, I don't think we need to belabor that part of it because I think it's pretty well documented. And I will admit uh, that I don't quite know where my expectations lie in a moment like this, because I do think that like, it's important for us to acknowledge that there are forms of this stuff that have varying degrees of Severity while also not diminishing the seriousness of them in any given moment for any given person. And so I just find myself kind of uneasy uh, about it. And so that's where I sit, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I understand all of that. I think that probably for a lot of people who are less extremely online than we are and sure. that Trevor Bauer is, I don't know if anyone is more extremely online than Trevor <laughs> Bauer, so it would be hard not to be less, but I think probably a good number of people and A good number of Dodgers fans are saying, hey, we just won the World Series and we just signed the reigning Cy Young Award winner. (laughs) What's not to like about that, right? Because a lot of people don't know the Twitter history. And even if you told them the Twitter history, I mean, we know the demographics of baseball fans, right? I mean, most of them are not on Twitter in an active way, right? And so even if you told them what he did and what he said, they would probably discount the severity of that. I think more than they should. As you said, it's hard to weigh this against some of the other, perhaps even more heinous behavior that we've had occasion to talk about on this podcast. And this is a league where, you know, people routinely get chances after domestic violence incidents, after drunk driving, after homophobic words on the field, after head hunting, after all kinds of terrible stuff. And so... There was never any realistic outcome where the Cy Young Award winner is not gonna get a job. Right. right. And for me personally, I I wouldn't say that what he has done would rise to the level of he should be blackballed from the league. I think it would be nice if he never tweeted again. Right. And uh, I think he has proven that he is incapable of restraining himself there. And Cleveland essentially took the keys to his Twitter account away for a while, just sort of imposed a suspension on him. And there have been times where he has behaved for stretches or he has made some semi-contrite sounding statement after transgressing and then abided by that for a while but clearly cannot control himself for the long term on there and either doesn't seem to understand the ramifications of what happens when he sicks his followers on someone with a much smaller audience or doesn't care. Right. And there are certain things that he said in the past that are objectionable, but all players have their personal opinions and many of them are <laughs> different from ours. And right. you know, with him, it's hard to tell whether he's trolling or whether he's serious at times, but regardless of his motivations, there are real ramifications that come from those incidents. And I didn't even remember all of them. I mean, there have been multiple fairly recent incidents with women. I came across one I had entirely forgotten about from 2018 that was actually with, I think, a boy or man who was in high school or college at that time. And he did the same thing. And he sent his Twitter army after him in a very explicit way. So... Don't want to shortchange him. He is uh, equally capable of bullying behavior with all comers on there, but certainly it has been concentrated on women as of late. And I think there is real damage done there. So I think it's something that deserves to follow him around. And I think that he gets probably a, a disproportionate amount of both positive and negative attention, possibly certainly positive attention. I think that's fair to say, and I've contributed to some of that myself. My name is uh, on a book that he is prominently featured in, and I think there are worthwhile reasons to talk about him in both a positive and negative light. But even so, I was trying to come up with a comp for Trevor Bauer, just purely performance-based. And I was just looking over his career since his first full season in the major leagues. So starting in 2014, the closest comp, and it's dead on by almost any stat you could come up with over that whole period is Jose Quintana. Now, Bauer is clearly a better pitcher than Jose Quintana at this point in their careers. But over those several seasons... They have been equal in value in just about every respect. I mean, their wars are within one-tenth of a point at baseball reference, depending on which fangrass-pitching war you use. Bauer is maybe one win ahead or a few wins behind. Their ERA minuses are like... 89 to 91 their fit minuses are 89 to 85 their x fit minuses are 93 to 92 their strikeout minus walk rates are less than two percentage points apart they have the same innings total or, or two innings apart i mean they have been essentially the same pitcher on the field if you add up their cumulative value over that period and trevor power has been mentioned countless more times than Jose Quintana. He's so much better known than Jose Quintana. He has uh, about 19 times as many Twitter followers as Jose Quintana. So that's probably because of the way that Bauer approaches pitching. And I think there are actually ways that he approaches pitching that have been influential and have really made a mark on the game above and beyond his actual performance. But he's had struggles at times, and he's won a Cy Young Award, and he came close to winning another one, and he's had some subpar seasons mixed in there. So if you look at just the total track record, the attention that he gets is outsized, I think. And if anything, maybe that makes people even more eager to bring up the negative and for there to be a backlash, because if people just very unquestioningly praise him and say all the good things that he does and just sort of sweep the bad things under the rug, then I think people feel it's even more important to point those things out so that that's part of the record too. And the end result is that there's just an ever escalating cycle of Trevor Bauer discussion, which of course he does his best to fuel and he seems to seek that out and cultivate that and thrive on that. And so probably we all talk too much about Trevor Bauer. Hour and the best thing we could do is maybe to talk about him a little less, but all of these things have to come up. It it would not be right to pretend that he is uh, not bringing something of value to a baseball team, but also that he brings this baggage with him. What you said is interesting because I was noticing that too. The fact that it came down to the Mets and the Dodgers, these are two teams that seemingly had less need of Trevor Bauer's services than most teams because according to the Fancraft's depth charts projections, they had the third and fourth best projected rotations in baseball prior to Bauer signing. And I think it's now gone from Mets at three, Dodgers at four to Dodgers at three, Mets at four. So they both had really good rotations already. And I think that if this were anyone but Trevor Bauer, we would probably be wholeheartedly saying, hey, way to go Dodgers, right? Because right. they're already good and they just blew by the competitive balance tax threshold. I right. mean, it's they went, what, $30 million over now and probably maybe at this point they'll add justin turner to that so the fact that they were not bound by that the fact that they're coming off winning a world series and still signed the top free agent pitcher available and set up this really incredible race with the padres which just seems to get better and better by the week as they just take turns acquiring aces so that they did all that and that they gave bauer the highest single season salary ever which you know He may not be your ideal person to have that salary, but I think maybe that does sort of bust a ceiling because there has been kind of this artificial constraint on what even the superstar players are worth. You know, even if you're Mike Trout, you don't make $40 million a year, even though you're clearly worth that. It's just sort of this artificially suppressed thing. And because Bauer was seemingly willing or or eager to take a shorter deal, he did break through that ceiling. And does that help other players follow him through there? I don't know, because probably not many of them would want to take a contract that's structured that way, but it does establish that precedent. So I think there are positives to that even. And if it were a player, like I, I wish that because there are things about Trevor Bauer that I think have had a positive influence or at least an interesting influence i wish that it were possible to just sort of focus on those things but he makes it impossible to do that because he constantly does these things that make you focus on who he is as a person and the things that he says and tweets it's a shame because uh, i'd much rather focus on his pitching but he makes that impossible sometimes
1: yeah, I I mean we've talked about this before. Like, if you were to transplant his personality, and and I should be clear about this, like I'm not laboring under the delusion that the the sort of median, like, political view right. <laughs> in major <laughs> league baseball is close to mine. It's not. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of guys who I know based on some comments they've given or their campaign contributions or what have you, where I know that they fall in a very different camp than I do, but they're mostly quiet about their business. right? (laughs) And maybe that's a, you know, that might be an easy out for me. Like perhaps someone could accuse me of there being some cowardice there that I'm like pleased that for the most part, like, you know, Anthony Rendon keeps his business to himself or Bryce Harper keeps his business to himself. And so I can enjoy them in a less complicated way because they are quiet about it. Now, the counter to that is that like they're people with huge platforms. And so maybe there's some value in them being, you know, sort of circumspect about this stuff because they're not amplifying stuff that I find harmful. That's not the point of this conversation, but if we were to transplant a different personality into Bauer. Like there's a ton here that I would find interesting and weird and like noteworthy, right? Like I remember Mm -hmm. watching him. I've seen him warm up live in a ballpark. That is like deeply Meg shit to be excited (laughs) about, right? Like that, that is right up my alley in terms of something that I'm going to find interesting, both like aesthetically, but also from a baseball perspective. And I think that there are a lot of things that, when he first did them were very novel and are now i guess things can't be very novel but were novel and are now mm-hmm. pretty commonplace and i don't think that you know his brand of peculiarity is all that peculiar anymore at least from a sort of baseball methods perspective but there was a time that it was and so right. you know that part of it is interesting to me but you know i think that he is apt to Continue behavior that he's been told is, is harmful. He has this entire media apparatus he is trying to build to establish his brand. Mm-hmm. All you had to do was watch the video he made, which <laughs> as an aside... Yeah. No better moment in that announcement video than at the end where it says written by Trevor Bauer. And I want to be like, yeah, we know, we know, Powell. <laughs> Trev, we got that. We, we honed in on that one early, early on in your YouTube.
0: Yes. In the, in the last like five seconds of that, uh, <laughs> the rest of the video is just uh, generic, like he could have had it ready to go no matter where he signed basically. Right. And it's just sort of very saccharine, just sentimental stuff about baseball. I sort of tuned it out, but then. Just at the very end, there's the reveal, right? And I bet he was probably annoyed that John Heyman or whoever reported yeah. it just <laughs> right before he put this YouTube video up, because uh, I assume that he wanted to have the reveal. But you see him in the Dodgers uniform, and he just says, I can't wait, Dodgers fans, and he tosses the ball up. And I just have been picturing in my mind the production process here, and At some point, he must have made this video before he knew where he was signing, and I'm just imagining him making it like at the beginning of the offseason, and he's doing 30 takes with 30 different uniforms. (laughs) I can't wait, Orioles fans. There's no way I'm going to sign with Baltimore, right? But whatever, we might as well have one in the can. I assume that's not what happened here. Earlier in the video, I think you actually see a Mets uniform. You only see Mets and Dodgers, so probably this was produced late enough in the process that he didn't have to do 30 takes with 30 different uniforms, but I hope he did because I would find that very amusing. But that sort of thing, the the brand building and all of that, again, if not for the problematic aspects of his personality, that might be something to celebrate too, because I like the idea of baseball players having a personality and... And trying to be celebrities of a sort. There aren't many baseball players who qualify as celebrities and taking us behind the scenes or showing us their process or talking to other players, having interesting conversations about the mechanics of what they do with anyone else. (laughs) That would be great. And I can't say I consume much of the content that Trevor Bauer produces on those channels, but I'm sure that some of it is interesting and enlightening. So if not for the terrible tweets, from time to time, then I'd be okay with that too. And that would even be something that could possibly be a a positive example for players. So if you could somehow perform some sort of surgery just remove the part of trevor power that is so thin-skinned and prone to picking fights and responding disproportionately then what was left would be a pretty compelling personality <laughs> but yeah. unfortunately there's the jekyll and hyde there and maybe it's not even jekyll and hyde maybe it's just both blended together and at certain times you, you see one aspect of it more than the other but here we are talking about trevor bauer a lot which is i'm sure what he would want us to do so
1: right yeah and and I did my first thought, though, when I watched that video, Ben, was I was like, oh, you saw Rudy G's thing and you were like, I got I (laughs) can't top it. (laughs) Yeah. Has to one up. (laughs) He's just being true to his personality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that you're right. There's a lot here that if it were packaged up with anyone else that I would think was compelling and interesting. And I know that there are people who think that what he's doing is good for the game and that there are fans who he reaches who... Other people can't, and I will refrain from commenting on what those folks characters must be like, um but you know, I am not insensitive to the fact that like we all sometimes let Twitter get away from us, and if it were one moment mm-hmm. and and an apology was made that appeared sincere, and then there was improved behavior on the back end of that, like I would be sympathetic to that but I think that there's just been too much water under the bridge and too obvious an indifference or lack of care around the power dynamic here. And, you know, even the way that he and and his agent have deputized her gender as a supposed shield against the accusation that he could mistreat women who he doesn't know is, mm-hmm. you know, something I find pretty odious on both of their parts. And so I just I wish that we didn't have to deal with this, you know, we keep getting complaints about all the yucky stuff we have to deal with in the game. And I'm like, well, take it up with the newsmakers. We are not the makers of news. Simply react to it. <laughs> I mean, I, we should spend a moment talking about, you know, we we talked about the improvement that this makes to the Dodgers rotation and their yeah. prospects in the Goodness, West. That rotation. You know, <laughs> that rotation is stacked. Like, <laughs> whew, I Boy. imagine that at some point we might see movement at the back end of it as they try to, you know, turn Tony Gonsolin or, or what have you into prospects because... You know, maybe they're they're comfortable doing that because their their depth is just wild here. I mean, yeah. Ben wrote about this, and I think that this is accurate. Like Bauer, from a projection perspective, is is sort of neck and neck with Walker Bueller. I suspect that the Dodgers' rotation order will have him slot into sort of the third spot. We don't quite know what we're gonna get from David Price after such a long layoff, but like you know, they've got Urias, they have Price, they have Dustin May, they have all of these guys. And this is an incredible counter to all of the great moves that the Padres made mm-hmm. um that race is going to be even more dynamic uh, than incredible. we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, than we expected it to be, and their
0: rotations now are separated by point two war right, so they're the same, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are essentially the same, and the Yankees are ahead of both of them, but I think. Given all of the injury risks there, I'd be more comfortable taking the Padres or the Dodgers rotation now, especially the Dodgers because it's just so deep. I mean, David Price, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, (laughs) Bueller, Bauer, Kershaw, Urias, incredible.
1: Yeah, so it's, you know, that as a counter to what all has gone on in their in their division is pretty spectacular and as you said, you know, this is a move that we've we've been talking in the last little bit about how, you know, not only do we not have a bunch of clubs in danger of sort of repeat offender competitive balance tax threshold penalties, that's just a real mouthful of a thing to say, but you know what I'm trying to say. We yeah. didn't we didn't really have anyone within real striking distance. And I think that what other Ben said when we were talking to him about this the other day is is a really astute point, which is like if you're going to push through that number, you want to do it not only for a good player, but like, the, the worst thing is to go a million over because you're not re- sort of reaping the full benefit of that player. They're, mm-hmm. You know, if they sign Justin Turner, depending on the construct of that deal, like not only have they gone through the first competitive balance tax threshold, they're in danger of actually incurring draft pick penalty stuff, which we hardly ever see anymore. Yeah. No one ever goes close to that. So like, again, there's a lot about this that I really like
0: yeah the (laughs) one-upsmanship of the Padres right and the Dodgers here is just so much fun it's like we'll go get you Darvish oh yeah we'll go get the only guy who finished ahead of him in the Cyung race last year
1: and and there's something that's really interesting to me about this organization being the one that's like we're gonna invest this amount of money into someone who we have seen sort of openly experimenting with sticky substances <laughs> seemingly. Yep, yep. And so like that is an interesting wrinkle because I think there was, you know, at least some not trepidation but some curiosity on the part of public sized analysts how teams were going to interpret that spin rate change and sort of what the longevity of that change was going to be and what that said about him as a player given this spike in performance and how sort of good but not great he has been in most of his seasons of professional play and so the fact that the dodgers who are pretty savvy about this stuff were like yeah like there's something here for us either because they're having all of their other guys doctor the ball, <laughs> or who knows? <laughs> right. I'm not. I don't know anything. I'm just saying, like that could be a possibility. <laughs> one we must acknowledge, lest we be naive. So you know that part of it is interesting too. And I just maybe you could wear a mask, Ben,
0: <laughs> or like um, we've definitely done a hypothetical question about a player wearing a mask. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The sticky stuff question. We've talked about that with Bauer multiple times. And right. I mean, he was obviously very good, arguably better in 2018. So it's not as if he's only been effective when he is doing this. And I don't know. How much to malign him for this because it seems as if he just started doing what everyone else was already doing. <laughs> so it's maybe more obvious just because he suddenly started doing it after not doing it, but he has really maybe just brought himself up to par. I mean, he may be using a more effective mix of sticky stuff than the typical pitcher, but if that's the case, then uh, they should all get better sticky stuff or something. But right now, as Ben mentioned in his post, like he does project to be the fifth were sixth best starting pitcher in baseball, which surprised me really that he was that high. And that obviously takes into account his performance using that sticky stuff, or it certainly seems as if he was, but there's no real prospect of him not being able to do that anymore, you know, unless he decides to, it's not as if MLB has effectively cracked down on that yet. So it's not as if it wears off at a certain point. He gets to keep applying it every time he pitches until someone tells him to stop and no one is. So it's quite an intimidating top of the rotation and middle of the rotation and bottom of the rotation and like Line people who and, aren't even in the rotation and, and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and just to put it into perspective Sarah Langs tweeted this courtesy of Elias Sports If Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Clayton Kershaw, David Price, and Trevor Bauer Each plays at least one game for the Dodgers this year They would be the first team to play three former MVP winners And three former Cy Youngs in a single season Of course, Kershaw was both an MVP and a Cy Young Award winner But that is just being stacked with star power And the last thing I'll say, I guess, is that He is someone who has said in the past that he only wanted to ever sign one-year deals, right? And so he has kind of gone away from that. But I think you can certainly understand why this contract was attractive to him. He gets the opt-outs after the first two years, so he can make it one-year deals if he wants to. But it seems quite unlikely that he would opt out after the first year with $45 million due to him in 2022. So it would seem like the odds are very high that he will be with the Dodgers for two years. Probably not very high that he will be with them for three years, at least under this contract, like unless he gets hurt or really suffers a, a dramatic decline, it's hard to imagine him wanting to take one year and whatever, $17 million. So it seems like this is probably going to be a two-year contract if you had to guess. So That's obviously unusual for a pitcher who is, what, 30 years old and coming off a Cy Young season to settle for that. You know, most pitchers, even in a pandemic winter, probably would have taken the six or seven or eight or however many they could get year contract. And he did not do that. So this is unusual and That's why he ends up with this extremely high number. And I wonder whether teams were more interested in him on those terms because it's like, hey, even if we don't really like having Trevor Bauer around, we don't have to have him that long. (laughs) And, you know, there are teammates that he has clashed with and there are teammates who have liked him and learned from him. So it's sort of a mixed bag there. I don't think you can say he's like a clubhouse cancer across the board. There are pitchers and players who have cited him as a positive influence and someone who's made them better, and he does seem willing and eager to instruct players and help out his teammates if he can, although he obviously rubs some of them the wrong way. But Andrew Friedman has signed players with character concerns before, particularly when he was with the Rays and didn't have the budget to be choosy. In this case, well, the Dodgers tried to get Cole, Bauer's arch enemy, last year they didn't get him so maybe they figured we'll take bauer how bad can it be for a couple of years right we can put up with him for that long at least
1: Right, when Ben designed an opt-out model, basically, that he has applied, he has had bizarrely frequent occasion to use in the last little bit here, Um, and his conclusion was the same as yours, that, you know, the the odds that he opts out after the first year are pretty slim, the odds that he opts out after the second, and that doesn't preclude him if the Dodgers like him from them sort of working out a new contract, right? But Mm -hmm. um, they've shown a willingness to do that with players in the past, but basically he he would need to, even if he th- only thought that he could get 17 million A.V. after that second year, the odds that he would be able to tack on at least another year to that on a new contract with a new team are pretty high or mm-hmm. a new contract with the Dodgers. So, you know, barring him being injured, I I don't imagine that we won't see an opt out, which, again, doesn't mean that he won't return to the Dodgers, but um, probably means that this deal is effectively for. For two years but this is a clever bit of business the way that they have constructed this is clever on the Dodgers part right because it while they are going to blow through the CBT threshold this year the AAV of the deal is what determines the hit in any given year so that's useful mm. for them We don't have to feel totally settled about everything all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe he'll just log out. (laughs) I don't think it'll happen.
0: No, I don't think so. (laughs) I would not say there's anything in his past that suggests that that might be in his future. (laughs) I just
1: would. Well, I don't know. I don't imagine that Trevor Bauer listens to this podcast, and I don't imagine his reps do either, but I just think it's useful to remember that a moment of rudish behavior does not equal... Your followers going after someone for a week mm-hmm. and sending them terrible messages, and it is irritating to be irritated. But mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta eat it uh, yes. when you're in a position of that much power. And to be indifferent to that power differential is really harmful to people. And he's mm-hmm. gotta figure it out. You're too old to not <laughs> know this stuff. Yes. You're- you're 30, Trevor. He's 30. And I know 30. people
0: say that he doesn't explicitly tell his followers to say the he nasty things that works. they say. But yes, he knows. And he knows if he how this works. didn't know the first time, he right. should know after the first time or the second time. Right. So, And well even if he says you know he doesn't condone it or something, there's clearly a, a pattern here. So learn from those mistakes. I'll, I'll give him the credit of saying that they were mistakes. And <laughs> let's hope that he learns from them. My only disappointment with him going to the Dodgers is that we don't get to see someone indulge his desire to pitch every fourth day. He claims that he can throw on three days rest with no ill effects, based on whatever data he has, based on a couple times that he has done it in games. Bradford Doolittle at ESPN wrote an article last month where he looked at what this would entail, and he found that it would be plausible, if Bauer's body can handle this, for him to make 44 starts in a season, like a true Mickey Lolich season it wouldn't take starts away from your number two guy or number three guy. It would really take starts away from your fifth starter and to some extent your fourth starter. And on some teams, if Bauer could do it, that would be worth that trade-off for sure. With the Dodgers, though, they're so deep that there's just no way. And I don't know if it would have worked anywhere. And who knows if he would have held up over a full season of doing that, let alone multiple seasons. But I would have liked to see him try. Okay, so shall we get the to draft. this draft? All right. Oh,
1: yeah, Ben. I'm right. excited about I'm this excited draft. I'm excited for this
0: one, too. I, this I is fun. We'll, we'll try to keep it semi-snappy here. But we're going to balance out the bad tweets talk with some good tweets talk. This should be fun. So on Tuesday night, Sarah Griffin, who is a writer for Pitcher List, made a tweet. And this tweet got around. And I think pretty much everyone on baseball Twitter (laughs) responded to this tweet in some way, including you. You had Mm -hmm. a good response to it. And here's the tweet. She tweeted, everyone reply slash quote slash retweet slash whatever with your worst or most problematic baseball takes. This produced... More than 4,000 responses as we speak here. Everyone weighed in on this one. I actually messaged her to ask about the experience of having been the person who tweeted this. And I just wondered, like, was she just blowing up with good slash bad baseball (laughs) takes all day? And she said she ended up turning off her notifications (laughs) because (laughs) she woke up and went to scroll through them to read all the new ones. And after, like, 10 scrolls, she was still only seeing tweets from, like... The last hour. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. So she was bombarded, deluged with tweets. And the way that she phrased it was sort of open ended enough that there were all kinds of responses to this. So I mean, she said, give me your worst slash most problematic baseball take. So some people actually did do that. Like some people, you know, said things that they had been horribly wrong about. Some people just said very obviously good ideas, I think. And then other people, which is kind of the way I took it, just took like a a hot takey approach to it. Just like, I kind of believe this, but it's also, you know, potentially problematic or people will be mad at me for saying this sort of thing. So, what we wanted to do is just draft our favorites here. So yeah. we we just browse through them. I looked at hundreds. I, I didn't see all of them. I don't know if it's even possible to have seen all of them. <laughs> there are so many. But I went through a whole bunch of them, and we didn't talk about what we meant by favorite. So it it could be ones that we wholeheartedly endorse or agree with, or it could be ones that we think are the worst take ever, and we admire how terrible the take is, or they could be somewhere in between. Just so weird. That they made us laugh or something, so we didn't really lay the ground rules down here. So we'll just each take our approaches, and and we'll just say who tweeted what and why we liked it. I guess.
1: Yeah, and I I did not really order mine in terms mm-hmm. of preference. I just found ones I liked, mm-hmm. and I didn't pick. This aired very much toward the silly for me. Um, yeah. There were people who had had. You know, they weren't actually bad, but like serious takes like pay minor leaguers more and like, yeah, but like that right. was not how I interpreted yeah. this exercise. So while I agree <laughs> with that, I, I I went a different direction with my selections.
0: Yeah, so. me too. There are some that I agree with here, but they're not like standard things that right. i agree with that we've probably talked about before on this podcast like there were a lot of people whose worst take or or their one take that they wanted to share with the world was no DH or right. universal DH. Like, come on, that's the the most basic take on either side that anyone could have. Get creative, get weird with these things. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You want to go first? It doesn't sure. uh, doesn't really matter here. I don't think this is a, a minor league free agent. It draft would be really funny if we had a overlaps out there.
1: <laughs> it would be very we funny might. if we had yeah. overlaps. Ben. Yeah, um, sure. I this is from Jack with a Q. Sucks. <laughs> Sorry, whoever Jack is. They should give each batter a comically oversized clown shoes that grow in proportion to their batting average. <laughs> I love that. It's a terrible idea, but it's great. <laughs> that
0: is a good one. Yeah, Boy, So, would you have to? They get? <laughs> I know. So, wait, I don't as your batting average gets higher, higher. you get bigger and clowning bigger your shoes. shoes so bigger. it's like it hurts you that or i guess it hurts you going in either direction if you have tiny shoes then yeah that's event- that's gonna hamper you too
1: eventually you would not be able to run in either instance and the best part would be seeing the you know there would be the the sort of like shoe independent performance of any given batter <laughs> and then after a certain point the the conditions of the shoes would start i would imagine to um to affect the way that a batter performs because you know the, especially for guys i mean at a certain point this is just going to be comic and impossible for anyone to walk but you know for for speedy dudes who sort of uh, leg out hits or whatever you get big shoes you fall down you're not mm-hmm. able to get down the line as fast it would be tremendous for like <laughs> clocking <laughs> home to first times so anyway it yeah. was a long week Ben, and this just made me laugh out loud sitting at my desk today <laughs> so- that's a good one
0: how, how many uh points of batting average do you think you have to fluctuate to go up or down a size oh i
1: I think like ten at uh-huh. least you know yeah. you need to have reasonably sized increments or or you're gonna come up on the 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 two big shoes too fast,
0: <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> okay. I've got some here that I think are just genuinely creative and good ideas that I hadn't thought about before. This is one of them. This is from someone named Christine at C Point Raff. She says. Cost of food and drink at the concession stand should be reverse proportional to the team's win loss record. <gasps> Much more difficult great. to watch your team lose all the time at the stadium, but easier with one dollar hot dogs and sodas. Team having a great season, regular price food and drink for you. And then if the team's having a lousy season, well, hey, at least you get a discount on concessions. This is this is brilliant.
1: That's a great idea.
0: Yeah. They'll never go for it, No, (laughs) but but I think this is great. I mean, that would give you incentive to make a competitive team, right? Because uh, teams make some money off of the concessions. Yeah. And even if they didn't, even if they said, well, it's not worth our while, we'll sacrifice the concessions. Well, at least then you get cheap food and you can bring your family to the park without bankrupting yourself. So I think this is a brilliant idea and we're going to need some impartial regulatory body to impose this. But uh, yeah, it'll be like variable pricing every game based on your win percentage. You you get to get a little bit of a discount or a price hike at the concession stand.
1: I think that's great. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to say a nice thing about the Rockies because we've just been so hard yeah. on them, which is that one of the really great things about that franchise is that they they have known when they've been bad in the past and they do and they're not the only team to do this but they you know they'll do a deal where it's like you pay 20 bucks and you get a ticket and you get a voucher for like uh, a beer and a hot dog and that's a that's a screaming deal that's a screaming good deal to go hang out at the ballpark which is beautiful and watch a team that is bad but you're having a hot dog and a beer and you feel great about your life so Mm -hmm. yeah I think this is lovely. lovely all right This is from Georgia 39410. Ben, I'm gonna confess that I looked at all of these people's Twitter accounts to make sure that I wasn't like talking about someone not nice. Yeah. Would be would be ironic on the day that we're talking about Trevor Bauer if I was like, go check out Georgia. Oh no, terrible. Yeah. Okay. The batter, this is a little baseball after dark. The batter should have to remove an article of clothing for every strike. Oh yes. I have a lot of questions about this one. Like Do they get to get redressed? Yeah. (laughs) Or are they just, by the time we hit the ninth, is everyone just nude? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's strip
0: baseball yeah. yeah
1: I imagine the commissioner would intervene on that If the, the rules of the game required Like a bunch of mostly naked men With like their cups Because yeah. you can't take that away That's a safety issue
0: Yeah There were some thirsty suggestions That came across here I, I saw one that was like The batter and the fielder have to Kiss, kiss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> e- Each time the, the batter gets <laughs> to a new base
1: That won't uh, make me laugh
0: the thread devolved from there So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a fun one. I don't know. Would they have discretion as to which articles of clothing they would oh, remove? Sure, right? I mean, I guess they would all probably follow a similar progression, although there are some players who seem to be happy not to be wearing very much when they have the ability not to. So, you know, they might just put it all on display.
1: Well, and would all of the armor that guys wear when they get up? Yeah, would that, count? Would that count as clothing? Because then you can mm. really elect to be fairly modest it would be funny if it didn't and you had to like take off your jersey but then put that stuff back on because yes. you're like look i'm not gonna risk my elbow if i get hit there it really hurts ouch right so that yeah. that part of this made you can't me can't la-
0: just uh, daintily remove your batting glove one at a time or right. something it, it has to be <laughs> you gotta show some skin
1: there were also um just a lot of tweets in here that suggest that you guys want people to fight Yep. Oh, yeah. A lot in baseball, that the, yeah. like baseball and wrestling should basically be one sport. There Violence was, was high on
0: people's lists. I, a lot of people suggested that you give the players guns. Yeah, what was with that? Why I, were I, d- why? I, wh- wh- <laughs> wh- for what reason? <laughs> I don't know. These people maybe they just feel very strongly about their Second <sighs> Amendment rights. I, well, I, I guess. Don't know, but I can't I'm so imagine scared. any good coming of that.
1: No. I'm like, they should be able to take their bats around them.
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) And
1: I was like, oh, no, that's bad, too. Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. You're up.
0: All right. Let's see. This is from the category of quasi-real suggestion. This is from Baseball one who says, no set lineups. Managers can send whatever batter up to bat whenever they want, but no batter can bat n plus one times before all the other batters bat n times more opportunities for the league's best hitters to bat in the most important spots And I think this is a good balance because some people suggested like oh no batting order at all or you reset the batting order every inning so you just get to see Mike Trout hit nine times per game or something. And I don't want that. I still want some structure. I think the lineup, the batting order is good, that there are some constraints there, that there are nobodies who get the opportunity to be the hero. But I think it would probably be good if there were some discretion there and if you could – Rejigger the lineup a little bit so that you could bring up, say, Mike Trout in a big spot. And he can't bat, you know, three times to anyone else's once or something. He can only bat one more time than all the other batters have batted. But it gives you a little leeway to say, this is the moment when I want Mike Trout. I'm sending up my best hitter, and it still retains most of the structure and the limitations, which I think is good. Limitations can create art, and I think that can be true in baseball, too. But I think it's also sometimes a bummer that you can't just have the best players playing at the most important time. So I feel like this is a good compromise, and I haven't thought about it in depth. There may be drawbacks here that I haven't considered. Maybe it should be N plus 2 instead of N plus 1. But... I like this as a balance between those two extremes.
1: Yeah, I think that's terrific. Okay. Okay. (laughs) This one's from the John Quincy Adams Project.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think I saw this one.
1: Let's say you're in the deciding game of an important series, such as the World Series, and say you're losing by a lot, (laughs) such that a comeback is all but impossible. Why not filibuster by intentionally walking every batter? (laughs) The score will approach infinity, but you won't lose. (laughs)
0: Yep, this was on my list. And there was a follow-up tweet that said, eventually the other team will be forced to negotiate a bipartisan compromise.
1: <laughs> Which might result <laughs> in what? Our first mid-game trade in an important moment? Yeah. We will stop, but you have to give us a reliever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like this one. You I can't force us to lose. <laughs> we It will never be over if we don't want it to be over. Now, I, I think what would probably happen is that eventually – all the players would just get ejected right like they'd probably just eject the pitchers at a certain point like the umpires would probably have <sighs> the discretion to do that if they refused to yes. pitch and then eventually you would run out of players and then you would forfeit because you wouldn't be able to field a team so it seems to me that that might be the actual outcome here and you also would not get an award for sports person like conduct here <laughs> this is like the definition of uh sore loser i guess in that you are refusing to lose but i admire it i think i like the pettiness of this and the never say die attitude because yes. i refuse to lose
1: yeah i'm yeah. i'm i'm into it okay okay
0: yeah. all right this is from Lindsay elifson at elifson with the o as a zero and she says one run is a slam two runs, a good slam, then great slam, grand slam, etc. cetera. So a solo shot is a slam, two runs is a good slam, three run homer is a great slam, and then a grand slam is still a grand slam. It just makes sense.
1: I love this, not only because it makes good sense, but because you know me, I'm always up for um, pedantic terminology clarification, so yep. I I vote yes to this. This yes. is delightful. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Matt underscore Santan. Ceremonial first pitch should actually be the first pitch of the game. No more bullshit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> That's great. I know uh, there would
1: be there would be a race though. There would be it would I know. just it would just result in more analytics nonsense, Ben, because teams yep. would get discerning about that first pitch because yeah. you don't want the other team's leadoff hitter up there while you have the
0: no.
1: I don't know. The... You
0: would somehow have to enforce like the, the current quality of ceremonial first pitchers. You, you'd have to maintain that. And I don't know how you would do that because uh, you know people, you could just say, well, our ceremonial first pitch is uh, this guy in our bullpen or whatever. Right. I mean, you'd have to have some rules like they can't be on your roster. I don't know. They can't be a former pro player or something, even though ceremonial first pitches are sometimes former players. But this would deprive us, I think, of the drastically terrible ceremonial first pitch because oh, yeah. you would rule out anyone who just could not complete the throw, right? And that would be a, a great loss to baseball. I think. I mean, blooper reels would never be the same without people getting uh beamed by ceremonial first pitches. So that would be a problem. You'd you'd have to combat the gamesmanship somehow. But if you could if you could just have these sacrificial lambs and celebrities out there to throw the first pitch and you could ensure that consistent lack of quality, I would be all for this.
1: Well, but wouldn't it be really great to have like, like a nice nun give up a home run to Mike Trout? Because yeah. like she'd be like, this is thrilling. And Mike Trout would be like, he'd have a sheepish look on his face while he ran around the bases because he's like oh no I got the nun I didn't mean to do that and you wouldn't even be you can't get mad at a nun she yeah. probably did a good thing that's why they asked her to throw out the first
0: pitch <laughs> right and the other thing is that the, the home team has the ceremonial first pitcher right so unless you imposed like both teams have to have one but right. if you stuck with the current system it's the, the home team that has that person throughout the pitch. And so this would probably single-handedly erase home field advantage. Yeah forever just the one pitch that this non pitcher has to throw (laughs) so that would change things too
1: I think that what would really end up happening is that every time the ceremonial first pitch would be from a member of like the best local division one baseball teams (laughs) (laughs) staff and so then it would get exhausted so yes there would need to be rules that enforced some level of fun and silliness but I, I think this is great I'm really glad we had this draft as a counterbalance to the top of the show yeah, i think it's a, it's a nice little bit of a I bit of balance it for this far. <laughs> yeah.
0: so Fun. all right i don't know if you noticed this but basically every fourth tweet that was sent was bring back steroids give yeah. everyone all the steroids people <laughs> the number one request among baseball fans who responded to this tweet was more steroids i i don't know what this means But people miss the steroid era. People just want everyone juiced to the gills here. And uh, if not for the the health ramifications i could get behind that i don't know if you had a a whole league of consenting adults who agreed to just be the juiced league or something and uh i don't know you could administer them relatively safely fine i think the problem with that is that there may be health issues and then you put pressure on people who don't want to take PD, so it's not really workable in the major leagues but everyone seems to want it in fact Chrissy Teigen responded to this. I saw that. This is like a bunch of people with zero followers and then every now and then like some big celebrity. Right. (laughs) And Chrissy Teigen said, Monster Ball League, everyone takes steroids, bigger fields, and also everyone has to pitch. I was with her up until the everyone has to pitch. That would just be miserable. I don't want to see people who can't pitch pitch any more than I want to see people who can't hit, hit.
1: People were giving Chrissy grief about her wine tweets. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> this was not at the top of other people's lists.
0: Anyway, I brought up the fact that everyone wants PEDs back if they're gone. Not that they're gone, but you know, back in a more visible way. Because this is my actual choice, and this is from Prasmaster, who says, there should be a hall of shame for players who took PEDs and still sucked.
1: That's fantastic.
0: And then he said, looking at you, Fernando Vina. (laughs) I could come up with worse players who were popular PEDs than Fernando Vina. But I like this because, (laughs) hey, I mean, you know, you cheated. Uh, Maybe you deserve a little bit of shaming. But also I like this because I think it would disabuse people of the notion that PEDs automatically make you into Barry Bonds. Which I, I think some people are, are still laboring under that belief that it's just a, a magic happy pill that turns everyone into a star, and that is decidedly not the case there. Maybe some players it enhanced more than others, and some who maybe were really good already and got a clear boost from it, but for the most part, I don't think it tends to take terrible players and make them great players. And I think that people still assume that that's the case. And so having a hall of shame for players who took PDs and still sucked would remind everyone that most players who take PDs are actually not that great. They do not turn into Barry Bonds. And so therefore, we should not automatically assume that everyone who is great is taking PDs or that... Everyone who took PDs was only good because they took PDs, et cetera. So I would like to decouple those things a little bit more than they are currently decoupled. And I think this would accomplish that.
1: I think that's a great idea. All right. Tosh voting for that ballot. Now we have two <laughs> ballots to vote for.
0: Yeah. I, right, we'd have to decide if they sucked enough. To, right. <laughs> is Fernando Vina, he's not a first ballot. Hall of shame guy probably But uh, he might get there in the veterans committee
1: Oh no Okay this is from Ellie Ellie Hart okay. Who says If high oh, socks yeah. are better than yes. low socks Then the natural <laughs> extension of that Is the entire pant should be made of socks
0: <laughs> Love this one I had this one too
1: Which is basically tights Yeah <laughs> like I was trying out- to
0: picture it And it was like I almost couldn't I was like thinking myself into knots About what this would look like But yeah it's like it's leggings basically right
1: yeah, it would be like well but like thin but may well I guess leggings is probably a better comp than tights because you know socks are thicker than tights most of the time. Yeah. Um so yeah. yeah. And I just <laughs> the visual of like their their jerseys being normal and yeah. the bottoms being leggings and <laughs> I just think it's just delightful. I like it very much.
0: I love it, I had this one too. And because there were a lot of people who suggested, well, I want all high socks or I want all low socks. And this is just, no, it's just all sock. It's all sock, sock all the way down. And yeah. I, I like that a lot. Just, it's an <laughs> elegant solution. It's like the splitting the baby or something. No one's happy with it. <laughs> Everyone's just wearing pant length socks, but at least we ended the argument. So someone else suggested that uh, everyone wear gray sweatpants too, which I, I thought <laughs> was pretty good.
1: I, I like that too. All right. You're up.
0: All right. I believe This one is from Nicole Tresca, at N Tresca, and she said, baseball fans who call it a thinking man's sport aren't as smart as they think they are.
1: Oh.
0: I like this one. I mean, first of all, no need to call it a a thinking man's sport. Right. We could uh, call it a thinking person's sport, but even beyond the maybe misogynistic aspects of that, I think it's snobbish to pretend that baseball Is a thinking person's sport any more than any other sport and look baseball is my favorite sport i consider myself a thinking person but i think that every sport is to some extent a thinking man's sport and i'm sure that there are others that are maybe more thinking man's sports than baseball is just because baseball is slow and allows more time for thought I, i guess that is legitimately true But that doesn't necessarily mean there's more food for thought or that there's more strategy. Every sport requires thought. So I don't think we need to pretend and be intellectually elitist about baseball. I mean, there's a lot to think about, but there's a lot to think about football and basketball and basically every other sport that's played at a high level. So they're all thinking person sports.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's good. Nice. I have two. Uh, so, like, I picked 10, but mm-hmm. I'm realizing that two of them are sort of related to one another. Okay. So should I just do both of them at once? Sure. Okay. So, one of them is from Dan E, who is Bro on Twitter. <laughs> Who says every stadium should have its own little signature obstacle in the outfield? Trees, moving walls, artificial wind, hidden pits, the pits are back, etc. <laughs> yep. And then Ben Collins, who is a reporter for NBC, responded The team at the plate should be allowed to have a free safety that is allowed to roam the outfield oh, yeah. <laughs> and interfere with the play. Full contact.
0: Yep. yep. I like that one too. Yeah.
1: They seemed like they were complimentary even if they uh, you know, are 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 pri- <laughs> privileging different sides of the of the contest. So
0: yeah, I like the image of that one. I guess I don't like the fact that. Uh- there will be full contact between like stationary fielders and someone who has a lot of momentum and is charging into that person at full speed. Yeah. Seems that part like is it not could lead to some catastrophic injuries, but I do like the imagery of uh just one rover who's just sprinting all over the field trying to get in the way of someone who's fielding it. So even if it were like not full contact, but they were just, you know, trying to distract them in some way, that might be amusing too.
1: Yeah, I think that we don't want players to be at heightened risk for injury, but I think we all miss Tall's Hill. We all miss we all miss that weird feature of mm-hmm. the outfield in Minute Maid. Ta- Tall's Hill, Tab's Hill, Tadges Hill, Tall's Hill. I think, Hill, yeah. tab- <laughs> it's been a long week, Ben, but we we miss it because you know we just aren't satisfied with all the ballparks having their own weird dimensions. We have to yeah. make it harder. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm into it.
0: Yeah, I could never shake the feeling that that was like too artificial or just like too self consciously quirky because like the old-timey ballparks were quirky for a reason. It was functional quirkiness. It was like we have to fit this ballpark in this tiny piece of city, so we just have to have odd dimensions. Whereas with the modern retro parks, it's like, well, let's just make it retro for the sake of it. And I still kind of like it, I guess, but I'm aware of the artificiality of it. And I had one in that genre, too, that was from Mr. T. Barnes, who said, allow more ground rules at each ballpark. Example, at Fenway, base paths are only 85 feet. Mound at Dodger Stadium is one foot taller than the rest of parks. Baseballs at Coors Field are 10% larger, etc. So basically supercharging the differences that already exist, which would uh, probably put some players' noses out of joint a little bit and would make it easier for you to kind of customize your team to exploit the ballpark, which would be kind of cool. So that was in that genre. All right.
1: Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. I have to say something really quick. Yes. The fact that Tall's Hill was a thing mm-hmm. on its own, wild. The yes. fact that there was a pole in the middle of it <laughs> remains the wildest thing that has happened in baseball in the last... <laughs>
0: Yeah. 100 years, that's not yeah. true
1: at all. But it is is—it is on the list, even if it is pretty far
0: down. Yeah, I mean, they had the monuments in Monument Park in play in Yankee Stadium for <gasps> years and years. So there Just were a, a lot whole of pole. bad ideas. Just yeah. a
1: whole big poll, and they're like, we're going to wrap it in the stuff that you ran into in your gym in elementary school, and that'll be fine. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. The union was like, that's okay. Don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> this one, I'm going to choose to misinterpret what the person meant and read it literally i think so as you may have noticed there were uh, a bunch of people who quote tweeted this uh what's your worst or most problematic baseball take and just said it sucks (laughs) i don't like baseball basically which uh disagree with that one but this one comes from at tommy canely except that the l at the end is an i i think (laughs) it's not the actual tommy canely And he just said, the MLB sucks. (gasps) Now, what he meant, I assume, is that he just doesn't like baseball. But I am choosing to assume that he means that people who say the MLB and saying the MLB sucks. And I wholeheartedly agree with you, Tommy, even if that's not what you meant. I try not to be super pedantic about baseball terminology. And if you want to say RBIs or RSBI or whatever... You do you. I don't have that strong a preference for that sort of thing. But one that really does get my goat is the MLB. And I understand why it happens. It's not fair if you're someone who follows multiple sports. Like Easy for me to say. I'm pretty much only ever talking about baseball. If you're someone who is regularly saying the NBA and the NHL and the NFL, I understand why you have to adjust your frame of preference and not say the MLB. But it grates on me. It Mm -hmm. really deeply grates on me when people say the MLB because I just can't help thinking, you know what you're saying, right? You're saying the Major League Baseball and it just doesn't make sense say it out loud. And they never do. So, Tommy, you were probably committing the same sin that I am faulting here, but I'm going to (laughs) choose to believe that we are kindred spirits and you are agreeing with me that saying the MLB sucks.
1: Oh yeah, that it is a really rough one. It's yeah. a real, it's a real rough one. So I like your reinterpretation of, it, of his sassy tweet. Okay, this one is going to come from a friend of the show Patrick Dubuque, Okay. Who, who has many good ideas on how to make baseball better. Mm-hmm. Runners should be out if you peg them with the ball on the base paths. Uh-huh. I like okay. this because that's. Yeah. I mean, it's not often, it's clearly not often intentional. You're disincentivized from doing this, but it's also hard because your legs are small and space is large. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a great idea. Although this does veer uncomfortably close to the idea of like, you know violence so i don't think patrick means it that way because patrick is a gentle soul we wouldn't want them to be like really you know you wouldn't want him to like really with force like right but like if you're a shortstop and you're thrown across to first to get a guy and you and you get him in the butt like he should be up that's good enough.
0: yeah and there's precedent for this in early baseball history like uh they they did this they called it soaking I think or or plugging it was like there were the competing early rules of baseball the Massachusetts game and the New York game and the New York game sort of won out and we don't have this anymore but there was a point where this was a thing and it did not continue so maybe that means uh, survival of the fittest It, it just wasn't a good rule and it was let go or I don't know maybe it means that we gave up on it too soon and we should bring it back so I always loved dodgeball As a kid, one of my favorite uh, athletic activities in school. So this would kind of combine dodgeball and baseball in a way that would be fun. So if you could keep it like below the neck or something, you know, that wouldn't count. So it would have to be a body blow just to minimize injuries. And like, you know, unless you're uh, someone with a really great arm, you're probably less likely to hurt someone than a pitcher is throwing off a mound. So you know, it, it probably wouldn't be too terribly damaging, but there would be times <laughs> when it was, and I don't know if it's worth it, but it would add some entertainment value to this. All right. This one is from Vlay Kirshner, and they say, the team in last place should have to wear shorts like the 1976 White Sox.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, like to be sexy
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think to be sexy maybe that would be the effect I don't know but probably as punishment right
1: can I just thank you for coming up with the idea for this draft because like (laughs) you know there's a lot of heavy stuff to deal with with Bauer, and <laughs> mm-hmm. then I got to say, like, to be sexy, <laughs> so <laughs> really picked me up at the end here. Um, but wouldn't it make things worse for that team in a way that would just snowball uncomfortably because you're going to yes. get all scraped up and probably, I mean, like, they stopped wearing shorts while playing baseball for a reason. <laughs> you get... You, Get destroyed.
0: <laughs> Clearly, a terrible idea. <laughs> terrible from, idea from the start. So, on the one hand, it it makes them less likely to escape last place. Yes. On the other hand, it gives them greater incentive not to fall into last place. Like, I mean, what if you're free agent and you're thinking, "Am I going to go to this team that's not doing anything and, and right. might end up in last place? And I'm going to have to wear shorts all season, and you know, maybe I don't like how my calves look, and maybe I don't want to slide on my knees all season long." that might actually affect your decision right Mm -hmm. and and maybe it gives you a little extra motivation like you know it's it's not quite like fighting for a division title but suddenly being in the cellar really comes at a cost i mean you gotta wear shorts i I don't know if this is for like the worst team in baseball or like the last place team in every division or what we'd have to work that out but there would be a real disincentive to be bad and I'd feel a little bad, I guess, punishing the players for this, like, if it's not their fault, if they're on one of these teams that, like, has a combined payroll that is less than Trevor Bauer will be making in in the next two seasons. We didn't even uh, talk
1: about that part.
0: I know. Well, oh, well. well. (laughs) We'll get there. But if you're on one of those teams that just didn't invest in the roster, you know, I feel bad if, like, you're the one who has to wear shorts all the time. The owner should be wearing the shorts, right? But. Still, like, maybe it it makes you play a little harder because you don't want to be wearing the shorts. So, <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. I'm thinking about some. Of, I'm thinking about some of the owners being in shorts. I'm thinking about
0: not to be sexy, probably in those cases.
1: No, I'm mostly thinking about what it. I mean, I hope people won't find this unkind because he's dead now. But like, I'm just thinking about Mike Eilich. <laughs> the hair. <laughs> walking around in shorts you know he'd wear high socks you know with his <laughs> right. loafers he's got that hair just be, just be an old guy I'm like yeah, anyway <laughs> <sighs> Oh, it's my turn. Okay. Um, I will end with the serious one, so I'm going to do this one next. This is from okay. Nathan McDermott, okay. who is Nate McDermott on Twitter in terms of his handle. They should replace the baseball with a tennis ball in the seventh inning, then go back to a baseball in the eighth and ninth. It would really spice things up. <laughs> I like this because, especially if we were to couple it with your uh, rule change about adjusting your lineup, I would just be curious how how managers would want to scheme that inning. Who would they want up there hitting tennis balls versus having to hit an actual baseball? Yeah, And also it would be funny. So I like it for that reason too.
0: I like this semi-related one from Betty at B Fernie who said, I think the game of baseball should continue, but I don't think baseballs should exist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking
0: about that one for a few hours now. (laughs) I don't know what that would... Intel exactly okay I'll just uh, I'll I'll do a, a lightning round because I, I have a bunch here I'll just read out some others I considered the Yankees should bring back Dandy their old mascot that is from BJ Mendelssohn. I think they should as a former Yankees fan I can say the Yankees sometimes <gasps> take themselves too seriously they put on airs they have uh, no facial hair policy bringing back Dandy Who is just an embarrassing mascot who George Steinbrenner disavowed all memory of, and so did other Yankees leaders. And it's almost inconceivable that the Yankees had this mascot and not ancient history. This was between 1979 and 1981. He's like Yankee Doodle Dandy. I mean, can you imagine the Yankees having a a mascot? Yeah. So I think the Yankees should have to bring back Dandy so that, you know, when they're airing the 50th edition of Yankeeography on Scott Brocious or whatever on the Yes Network or something, it's like, okay, guys, but you also have a mascot named Dandy. So, you know, you're not so special. So I like that one.
1: Wait, I'm sorry. I have to engage with Dandy for a minute. Yeah, please do. Because I, Ben, I have never, I have somehow never seen this before. (laughs) Yep. I have never seen. So he appears <laughs> to have his clothes and his his body hair be the same material. So like, is his skin <laughs> supposed to be pinstripes? This is maybe
0: he's all sock. Is,
1: this is a lot, Ben. This seems yeah. a lot.
0: Yeah, he's got a big bushy Thurman Munson mustache. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, he looks like a very Muppet Sesame Street esque shaggy. Yeah, yeah, gritty before gritty.
1: Yeah. The fanatic looks at this and is like, guys, tone it, tone it yeah. down too yeah. much.
0: Yeah. I think it actually was, uh, it, it was created by the creators of the fanatic. This was not wow. their, their best work necessarily. Yeah.
1: yeah. Gritty gets away with a lot because like he looks, I say he, I don't know what Gritty's yeah. gender is, but Gritty has, you know, a wild look to the, yes. to the mascot, but has crazy eyes, so it's fine because it's like mm-hmm. I, it being consistent with himself. He's being true mm-hmm. to who he is. Okay, sorry, I interrupted your lightning nope, round okay. because I had to, you know, yeah, it was provide new. Too. I had to provide new <laughs> nightmare fuel to myself.
0: Yes, Logan RJ Nine says there shouldn't be any bats or balls or equipment. They should just play a normal game where they pretend to bat, catch, throw, etc., like <laughs> mimes.
1: <laughs> that's
0: great. <laughs> Very good. Yes, Nate Silver. One Nate Silver. You may have heard of said you should be able to keep rounding the bases as long as the ball is in play, for example, make a quintuple. So you just keep to you just keep going around. If you have an inside the park home run, you cross the plate, you can then continue rounding the bases and go to first. And this would very rarely happen. Yeah, It's uh, very rare that we get it inside the Parker or or even like a triple and the guy scores in an error or something. But it does happen occasionally and you'd have to have some wild like multi-misplay incident for this to happen. But imagine how exciting that would be. You're expecting the guy to just run right back to the dugout. Suddenly he's going to first and he's on base again. It's kind of crickety. So I like this a lot.
1: I have one more. Okay. I saw this from a lot of different accounts. The one that I pulled it from when I did some investigating was like retweeting Barstool unironically. ironically. So I'm going to anonymize it because it's my show along with yours and I get to. <laughs> there were a number of people who called for a promotion relegation system in baseball. Yes, yes this is the most serious of all the ones i have picked clearly and uh, i think that that's a not bad idea i think it would be very complicated but yes. i'm 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 into someone trying because i desperately want us to recouple us uh, sort of financial success and mm-hmm. stature with winning. So yeah. I I support this idea yeah. even if it seems like even if it's just leverage like it could be the Mets to the to the to the Dodgers Trevor Bauer deal. It's leverage to mm-hmm. get people to be like oh, I got to spend more money. I think
0: we talked about that ages ago on the show and I don't know what we said. I think it would be fun but probably impractical <laughs> for various reasons but but I would like to see it like the the worst team has to play the best triple a team or whatever just to get to stay in the league. So all right and uh I will just mention this one from Mo Egger 1530 no level above sandlot should have base coaches I think that's, uh, I think players can handle rounding the bases on their own. I know that base coaches do things, but really, do we need them actually giving players tips on, like, okay, uh, you should be running on this pitch or whatever? I mean, I know there are other things they do. They hold their shin guards, they uh, tell them to get back, they tell them the pitcher's time to the plate, whatever. Like, just uh, heads up, keep your eyes open, memorize all that stuff. I don't know. In other sports, do they have like coaches who are, that actively involved like like a base coach is like you know they're technically in their little box even though they're never actually in it but like they're on the field like they're basically in the game (laughs) And, and they don't need to be we don't need base coaches i mean i'm sorry if any base coaches are listening i don't mean to put you out of work it's just that i think uh the big leaguers could probably handle it if they needed to
1: the Rams employ a, a human being who I assume has other duties apart from this, but one of their duties is to grab Sean oh, McVay's right. belt and pull him out of the way <laughs> <laughs> because right. he can't interfere with the officials as they're going down the sideline. So his job, because he gets very McVay gets very animated, is yes. to grab him and be like. Come on back, pal. So there is some precedent for it, but I imagine that guy has other responsibilities on the team. I, yeah, I don't know what they are, but I'm su- I assume he does something during the week. <laughs>
0: Don't, yeah, don't coaches have like people who are supposed to stop them from like getting ejected or something like they're supposed to stop them from yelling or, or charging the field or something because they're so angry and manly that they can't hold themselves back.
1: I don't know if if that's as big of an issue. There definitely are people whose job it is to be like, don't throw that challenge flag mm-hmm. like the person whose job that is for the Seahawks. I think, is now a ghost. Um, that's a little <laughs> joke that you don't get quite so well, but yeah. our our listeners who are also CX fans will be like, yeah, Meg, it's real rough. So, yeah, it is a, It is kind of a weird, you know, there were a lot of, of tweets that replied to this about how great but weird it is that the the coaches wear uniforms because yeah. that is a strange thing about baseball, but I like it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it too. And this one is from Alan Caps, nineteen ninety five, who says The fact that you can catch a ball in foul territory to get an out is stupid. Is foul territory in play or out of it? Pick one, you stupid sport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like one. that. Yeah, that is
0: a uh, weird quirk about baseball that like uh, it's not it's not on the field to play really I mean it is but like no good can come of it but it still counts against you it's weird and then real Billy Zabka said every baseball stadium should be required to have a retractable roof especially in the north I believe that too. Yeah, it's that's 2021. What are we doing here? Rain delays. <laughs> We've solved this problem technologically. Let's make that happen. And then Alan Focal said, I want to see more variation in what time games are played. For example, let's see games at 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., 6.30 to 7.30, and 10 p.m. weekdays and weekends. And I like that too because there would always be baseball on and different groups of people would be able to watch and go to games and some would not be able to, but I like that variety. Last one, I guess this is from the will the, who says my million dollar idea is that umps shouldn't call balls and strikes out loud. Just keep track in their head and let everyone know if an at bat is over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. That's a good one to end on because (laughs) it would get, it would get goofed at least like, Probably once a week, not always with the same person. And it would be it would just be a nice moment of humanity. It would also be funny if if there was conflict. But Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: This one is probably better to end on. Okay. Dylan, I'm gonna do a swear. Yes, I'm (gasps) gonna do a swear. Oh my god. At SoulServe Chris, who says there shouldn't be more than like three rules. I don't know what the fuck a strike is. I just want to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) That he says, rule number one should be run as long as the ball hasn't been caught. Rule number two, question mark, question mark, question mark. Rule number three, fun. (laughs) Sounds (laughs) good to me.
1: Yeah, that seems like a very good note to (laughs) end on.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you to Sarah for inspiring all of these wonderful responses.
1: Indeed. Hey, Ben, have a good weekend.
0: You too. All right, I just realized that we never said what Meg's contribution to that long list of suggestions was, and it was pretty good. She said, kind of weird that the players take snacks with them onto the field, which when you think about it is extremely strange. Not something you see in other sports. Baseball is a snacking person's sport. I also really enjoyed this exchange. It involves three people. Okay, so guy one says, inherited runners should count against the new pitcher, but proportional to the base they were on when they were inherited. Like allowing an inherited runner to score from first counts as 0.75 runs against the new pitcher and 0.25 to the guy who allowed him to reach first. Okay, I like that. Clearly an accounting hassle, but seems sort of fair. So now guy two says, I like this, but I think the minimum the pitcher who let the runner get on bases charged should be 0.5 runs. Guy 3 wades into the discussion and says, I disagree with the minimum. If you let a runner score from first with two outs, that's on you entirely. If you come in with first and third, no out, and induce double play, that's totally on the last guy. You did your job. Guy 2 responds, I was thinking about it some more, and now I think it should be contingent upon number of outs and placing the order up when the reliever came in. Two outs and you let the sixth place hitter who got on first score? 0.90 to the reliever. No outs leadoff guy was on, 0.10 to the reliever. Guy 3 says, I was thinking that too. Either a complicated chart like you suggest, or if we really want to fuck things up, let the official scorer assign the runs. Guy 2 says, I am all for both introducing needless complexity into a situation and fucking things up. Putting it all on the scorer would accomplish the latter, and I lean towards it because it would give people a new pointless thing to get mad about, whether that was an error or hit is old. And Guy 3 concludes the discussion. I am intrigued by your ideas and wish to subscribe to your newsletter. And scene. I enjoyed how they took something that's essentially a non-problem. And came up with an incredibly complex and convoluted solution that would cause way more trouble than it's worth. But the thought process was sound. And since she inspired all of this, I will give Sarah the last word here. I asked her what her favorite ones were, because she presumably saw more of these than we did. And she said her favorites were one from at Bandini Baseball, who said any person within 10 rows of the dugout should be required to take a baseball aptitude test before entering. Not bad. Hopefully there's some special dispensation for kids there <laughs> so you don't keep kids away from the field because they don't know enough about baseball yet. You want people to become baseball fans. And one way to make them baseball fans is by giving them great seats, letting them go to a game. On the other hand, it is nice when the people right in the front rows who are on TV are paying attention and seem to care about the baseball. And Sarah's other pick was from Ali Rich Them, who said, I think it actually is fun to watch baseball. I think so too. That is not a bad or problematic take at all. By the way, there was one significant signing after we recorded this episode. The Braves brought back Marcelo Zuna on a four-year, $65 million deal with an option for a fifth year, so maybe we'll touch on that next time. Not the best day for the Mets, though, I suppose, at least not in terms of projected place in the standings. You wake up thinking that you're going to get the best pitcher on the market, then you don't, and then your division rival brings back a big bat. You can support Effectively Wild on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild the following. Five listeners have already signed up And pledged some small monthly amount To help keep the podcast going And get themselves access to some perks Dane Runestad, Maxwell Rowe Ben Axelman, KDB And Brian Hare Thanks to all of you You can join our Facebook group at Facebook.com groups EffectivelyWild you can rate, review, and subscribe to Effectively Wild on iTunes and Spotify and other podcast platforms. Keep your questions and comments for me and Meg coming via email at podcastfangrafts.com or via the Patreon messaging system if you are a supporter. Thanks to Dylan Higgins for his editing assistance. We hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we will be back with another episode early next week. Talk to you then.
1: Day